David Dean Kesey was a 33-year-old from Tacoma, Washington. He was Native American and came from a large family. On February 2, 2004, David was at a party with several people, including two of his brothers. He decided to leave early, giving the impression that he was going to walk home. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. I think many of you know I have two brothers. Their names are Michael and Brian. They're quite a bit older than I am. They've never done anything like what I do here at Unfound. And although we look alike, I'd say we're all three very much different people. In fact, I don't even have their last name. Long story. But they are my brothers, 100%. And although over the last 25 years we've had some falling outs and disagreements... Not just me with them, but them with each other. We are still brothers. As the youngest one, I go to them for advice. They have my back and I have theirs. It's kind of like we may call each other SOBs, but we will fight anyone who calls our brothers the same thing. You know what I mean? That blood is thicker than water kind of thing. And knowing them for the last 25 years has enriched my life beyond measure. Well, in the case of David Kesey, he had many brothers, and in fact, a few of them were at the actual party David attended, the night he disappeared. Yet not long after that night, things transpired that caused people to view the disappearance in a different light, and got friends and family wondering, were these men, and one in particular, truly their brother's keepers? And now a summary of the case. David Kesey was smack dab in the middle of a long line of children, having many brothers but only one sister. He was known as the jokester of the group and had been married for several years by the time 2004 rolled around. However, David had addictions, just like his brothers did. This caused him to not be able to hold a job for a very long time. So David stayed at home with his kids while his wife managed a fast food restaurant. So on February 2nd, 2004... David got together with some of his brothers in Tacoma, Washington, for a moving out party. One of their friends was moving away. Although some of the men, including David, were married, there were single women there as well. The alcohol was flowing and illegal drugs were available. At some point, after dark, David decided to leave. He mentioned something to his brother Kenny about wanting to clean himself up, meaning get sober. David walked out the door with many of the people seeing this happen. The group believed David had chosen to walk home, even though it was a long trek. David was never seen again. In the days following David's disappearance, this seemed to be a case of a drunk and or high man wandering off, as many do. However, weeks later, things transpired that caused many people to start viewing David's absence in a different light. And to this day, questions remain. Number one, why did Kenny, David's brother, so quickly leave his own wife, Jennifer, 
and move in with David's spouse, Teresa, after David disappeared. Number two, why did Kenny pretend to be David later in 2004 when Kenny got arrested? And number three, why did Teresa later rescind the missing persons report, something David's family didn't find out until over 10 years later? This may be a very sad case of a man running off due to his own vices and addictions. However, due to things that happened since, David's family wants to examine all possibilities. The guest for this episode is David's sister, Aletta Mecklenburg. Unfound news. I kind of took this past weekend off due to a very special person coming to visit me. We had a great time and the days flew by way too fast. But now it's back to work. Be looking for another book, Volume 2 of Season 2, to be available soon, along with new shirts and playing cards. Next, due to Unfound's continual increase in popularity, we are getting more and more missing persons cases requests. Can we cover this one? Can you look into that one? Yes, we do take requests. However, the requested cases that are most likely to make it on the air are the ones where you, the person emailing me, know someone in the family and already have their contact information. Frankly, if you're just randomly picking cases off the Charlie Project, the odds of those disappearances being featured are very, very low. And finally, Unfound continues to work on some cases in the deep background, meaning we can't bring them to the public until more information can be obtained that better explains facts that seem contradictory and misleading. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and Facebook. On Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on YouTube for the Unfound live show. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. This week, I need to thank Heather. You can also contribute at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. That is also the email address. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Do not forget the reviews. Shirts at unfound-podcast.myshopify.com. Cards at makeplayingcards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfoundpodcast. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the sister of David Kesey, Aletta Mecklenburg. Aletta, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Let's start here as we always do on Unfound. Let's just talk about your family, uh, parents, brothers and sisters. What exactly was the Kesey household like? Uh, The Kesey household, growing up, we were um, five brothers, and myself, I was the only girl. Um, okay. And uh, the household was very wild. We, um, you know, we were raised in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and, um, you know, we were middle class, and we were raised in a great neighborhood where we just used to run the streets from morning to the evening, and everybody in the neighborhood knew who my family was. Huh. Not because of me, but because of my brothers. Okay. They were were a little wild. 
Okay, and I, I'm I'm guessing, uh, Bing, I know where this interview is going. I know we're going to have to touch upon a little bit of that uh, eventually. But what was it like just being the only girl and having uh, David and Kenny and these uh, and, and Carl, these other brothers? Is what was that all like for you, just being the only girl? Um, it was you know I I was a tomboy because I wanted to be like my brothers. I was the mm-hmm. only girl. Mm-hmm. They all kind of buddy-buddied up together, and, you know, they all shared a room, and I was the only one with my own room. So, you know, going into oh the evenings when we were supposed to be sleeping, um, they're all in there laughing and giggling, and I'm all in my room by myself, and I feel like I'm missing out on the fun. <laughs> so I really looked up to my brothers, and I really wanted, you know, to have and share that camaraderie, but I really didn't have it being the only girl. But I also tended to try to be more like them, try to be that tomboy. So I really um, wasn't too girly growing up. I really tried to uh, earn their approval. Uh And I was into anything that they were into is what I tried to do. Sports and bikes and cars and all of that. All right. I guess that maybe is not surprising. And so, uh, David, where was he as far as the brothers and you, as far as age and the the lineup of oldest to youngest? Where was David and, and where were you? I mean, age. Right. Uh, David was a middle child. I was a middle child. He was one up from me. So he was oh. about two years older than I was. Two years older. Yes. Okay. And would you say that that caused you maybe to be closer to him than you were to some of your other brothers or how did that all work out? Um, David and I, we did have some, we did have some memories being two years apart, but he wasn't my closest brother. I was probably more closer to my two younger brothers and my oldest brother because my oldest brother, he really had the nature of a a big brother. He did take care of me. A lot of times my mom would try to pawn me off on one of my brothers and she'd say, you have to watch Aletta. And they'd say, no, we don't want to watch Aletta. And she'd go on down the line. And my oldest brother would always step up and say, I'll take Aletta. Aletta can come with me. So um, I was really close to my oldest brother and probably my two younger brothers. I had some good memories with David, but we probably weren't the closest in the lineup. He kind of, yeah, he kind of went upwards and hung out with the older brothers. All right. Thank you for being honest with that. And so there's David, and your oldest brother's name was, is, was or is? Kenny. All right, Kenny. so Kenny. Okay, so we'll be, of course, be talking uh, a little bit about him uh, later. But let's talk about David, his personality, what was he into? Um, you know, what are those qualities that pop out to you when you think of him today? Um, I think David, he kind of, as a middle child, he kind of was looked over uh, growing up in the house. As we got older, he was the one that everybody kind of flocked to. So there was obviously something about him. He was the one in our family that everybody went to his house. And they all hung out at his house. And, um, you know, even myself, you know, as a young adult, I would go to David's because I knew all my family was going to be at David's on the weekends. And so um, I would end up at David's just to visit and see my family and see their kids. And um, he was very, um, he grew up and became a real, um, he's very lively. He liked to joke around. He, um, people often thought he was the funniest one out of all of us. Hmm. So, um, yeah, he had um, 
obviously he had a great personality and people really liked him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was he was just a nice guy. Was he into sports? What was uh, any kind of his interests and hobbies? You know, he really didn't excel at anything. I had um, some brothers that really excelled in a bunch of different areas. I don't remember David excelling in one sport. I don't really rem- I know he played mm-hmm. baseball at some time. Um, he didn't excel in cars. He didn't excel in school. I had my two oldest brothers. They excelled in school. They were honor roll students. David kind of struggled through school. Um, so I don't remember him excelling at anything. I know he really liked music. He was a big fan of rock music, and he liked to sing, and he just liked to joke around. And, uh, okay. you know, he was the funny guy. Yeah. Okay. And so you were in Des Moines, Iowa. Of course, we know that he ended up in the state of Washington, and maybe we'll get into how that happened. But uh, did he graduate from high school? Did he have any higher education? Or what did he do for work? Some of those topics. I I do not believe David graduated from high school. And um, I was just reflecting on this earlier today because I knew we were going to be talking. I don't remember David working after um, he became an adult. Now he might have, but mm-hmm. what job he held, I, I'm clueless on um, okay. what he did. So okay. he, yeah, he stayed at home. And, um, you know, as we're going to get into it, he, you know, with a, he had problems with addiction. Yeah, he had problems. And, and we'll get into that in a moment. So he would stay at home, but but, uh, maybe that leads us uh, in this direction. At some point, though, he did have some uh, relationships, and he did get married. Why don't we talk about that a little bit? Um, You know, let's talk about uh, his wife, uh, Teresa, how they met, and, you know, did he have any relationships before before that? Right. Um, Growing up, David did have a serious relationship with – his high school sweetheart. Her name was Carla. And um, we moved from Iowa to Washington when I was 16. So David would be about 18. And I know that was very difficult for David. In fact, I don't even think he moved with us when we did the initial move. And I think he moved out later um, on his own. He came out and he followed our family. I think he stayed back and tried to make things work with Carla. Um, he always had girlfriends when I was a teenager. Um, he, he pretty much steadily dated Carla, but every once in a while there was another girl, a fling. It never lasted long. Him and Carla were pretty steady. Okay. Um, after he came out to Washington and he was no longer with Carla and he was staying back at the, the family house, um, he, I had a friend who had a girl, a woman, young woman, young adult. She was like, she probably had to be about 19 or 20, um, living with her. And she would sometimes run around with me and my friend. She didn't really run around with us, but sometimes she just tagged along. And, um, she was a native American woman. Her name was Teresa and we weren't really close to her. My friend was probably very close to her because they lived together. But, um, she um, came with us one day when we were going to my house, and she um, had an interest in my brother, mm. David. Okay. And that's how they met. Yeah. That's how they met. 
And uh, did you think that they were a good match? Obviously, they ended up getting married. Uh, was that uh, a positive development in your mind or, or what? I didn't think a whole lot about it. Um, I was, you know, roughly 16. I had so much other things going on. And I, I just kind of thought, oh, that's cute or that's sweet. And that's nice that they, you know, each found somebody. And I didn't really put a whole lot to it. I never really followed their dating uh, relationship or anything like that. All right. Do you remember... The year that David and Teresa got married, how old were they, roughly? Roughly. Um, I would guess they got married around 91. Um, mm-hmm. It was when I was graduating high school. And they probably had to be, you know, 20s. I think Teresa was one or two years older than David. And um, she was pregnant. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's when okay. they got married. Okay, so fairly young. So, and uh, David, of course, uh, he's 49 now. That's the age that I am. So, uh, yeah, 20, if he got married in 91, you know, 20, 21 years old, that's fairly young these days, even back then, fairly young to get married. Okay. And um, how many kids did they have? They had two kids. Two kids. Okay. Now, you had mentioned earlier about work and those things. Uh, The way you remember it is that, he did not, uh, David did not have a job. So was he like a uh, stay at home dad and she worked or how did they work those things out? Um, from the best of my recollection, that's what I think. I mean, I don't think it's what she probably wanted. I remember mm-hmm. she worked as a manager at Burger King. So, um, and they just had a small two bedroom house, not, um, too many miles away from the house that we were living in in Washington, mm-hmm. and um, and he stayed home and took care of the kids. Okay. And during this time, let's just say um, um, from '91, once they got married, and of course you're two years younger, so you're like eighteen, nineteen at the. <clears throat> you were about eighteen, nineteen at the time. Uh, how often would you see? David and Teresa and their children during the course of the 1990s, would you say? Um, When his kids were really young, I didn't see him too often. I met my husband and I moved down to California. He was in the Air Force and we got married. Um, I would come back. We would come back and visit our parents and we would have um, family get togethers. I know um, David and Teresa for a short time when their babies were young, when their children were young. I think the oldest was when she was still a baby. Um, they lived with my parents um, until they got their own place. And um, so I didn't. I would say I saw them probably a couple times a year while their kids were young. Okay. We then moved back to Washington, and then I started making frequent visits because I wanted a relationship with their children and I wanted my children to know their children. Okay. That's good. Now you've already mentioned this before. You had some addiction problems. When did you uh, start noticing it or maybe you'd even heard about it before you noticed it? When did it start popping into your mind that your brother David uh, was struggling with some things? Um, my family always had problems with, as long as I can remember as being a teenager, 
um, starting with my oldest brother, they were what I called partiers. And partiers, in my mind, were, you know, it was innocent enough. It wasn't anything heavy or bad. They, you know, there was a lot of drinking and partying going on. Mm-hmm. And um, where we kind of grew up, how we grew up, where we were from, um, it was okay. And in fact, I was doing it too. It was, you know, we're underage, we're teenagers, but we're finding someone to find us some alcohol. And, and my brothers, um, by this time, my oldest brother was probably of legal age and he was probably um, supplying some of my younger brothers until they became of legal age. But they had been drinking and um, smoking weed for um, a big part of their teenage and high school years. For as long as I can remember, they were, they were, you know, growing up when I was probably about, I would say maybe 12, 13, I remember I would tell my mom, you know, Hey, they're doing this. I would tell on them. (laughs) And then, um, as we got older, I started doing it myself. So of course I stopped telling on my brothers, but, um, we were kind of in that going in that direction. Okay. And when do you think, once again, looking back on it now, and I realize that he's disappeared roughly 15 years ago, but going back Mm -hmm. to the 1990s, when did you, once again, once you and your husband moved back to the area that you noticed maybe that David addiction was a little harder than maybe just weed and and alcohol? You know, um, okay, so I had to be an adult and I had my children and I knew that, um, abuse was going on with drinking and, um, because it just didn't seem like they were taking care of their kids and their family to the level that I thought they should. Mm. They never openly used hard drugs in front of me. In fact, I wouldn't even be able to tell you, you know, I heard that they did this, that, and the other, but I wouldn't even be able to tell you exactly um, when they were doing, you know, I heard they'd used all of them. My assumption was towards the end that he was hooked on heroin um, because my oldest brother was on heroin and my other brother was on heroin. So I assumed they all used the same drug. Um, But I heard that they, you know, tried them all. They, they tried, um, crack and meth. And I mean, I don't even know all the different types of drugs, but, um, that, but that heroin is the one towards the end that really hooked them and that they was kind of like, I guess their drug of choice. Okay. So some serious uh, addiction issues. And I'm guessing that this has been going on for several years before he he disappeared in 2004 or is that what you would say? Yeah, I would agree. Okay. And just to give the listeners an idea, once you did move back and were seeing them, how often would you say that you were seeing David and Teresa and their kids? Would you say once a week, once a month? What would you say? Um, I would say a few times a month, but not um, during the time that he went missing. I kind of really had pulled back after that because the drug use was getting heavy. Again, they never really like did it in front of me. But the atmosphere to their place and the people that were hanging out there was something that I no longer really wanted to be around. I would still try to, um, you know, say, hey, can I take the kids this Saturday to the zoo or to the water park? So I would still try to arrange things with them. And they were always more than willing to let me take their kids. And that probably slowed down to maybe once a month or once every two months. 
but um, mm-hmm. up to the time where he was missing, I my um, seeing them had really kind of pulled back, and uh, the atmosphere was just was getting too um, dark yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I hear that a lot. We talk uh, a lot about uh, addiction on Unfound and what you're saying. Um, I think the listeners heard a lot uh, about that from a variety of people, from siblings like yourself or parents who've been on the program talking about, you know, their missing loved one who fell into addiction. You're saying a lot of the similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, did David during this time, let's just say nineties into the early two thousands, ever try to go to rehab? You know, did he acknowledge that he had a problem? Um, I think he knew he had a problem. I don't think he ever tried to get into rehab. I, I believe towards the end of it, he wanted help, but he didn't know how to get help and he didn't know how to get out of it. Um, and I, I think that was more so up until the time that he disappeared. Okay. And his wife, Teresa, if you can say, and of course she is not missing, she's still alive. But if you can say, was she wrapped up in this as well? Or was she just trying um, to put the best on was, a bad situation? Yeah, she was. She was not a drinker. She didn't use drugs. Um, she worked usually sometimes, you know, she would most of most times I remember her holding a full-time job and, um, so, but I, I know it was on and off here and there. And I don't ever remember her really, um, being a drinker or one that used drugs of any kind. Okay. But in no time, um, they were still even married at the time that David disappeared. Right. All right. So even despite all these drugs and things that David was going through, they never did get a divorce or anything like that. No. Okay. All right. Let's go up to the the days and weeks uh, before he disappeared. So we're going to move up to 2004. I think you've given the listeners uh, a really good idea of, you know, what he was going through, uh, what, you know, the kind of relationship, uh, marriage that he was in, his children, and kind of the overall feelings of what was going on at the time, you know, through the 90s and early 2000s. So we're going to get much closer to when he disappeared. Um, In those days and weeks before he disappeared, how were you and David? You know, as a sister, you being two years younger, as a relationship between siblings, how was it? Um, I think we had a decent relationship. We weren't close. I think he respected me in a lot of ways. But then I also feel like he had some um, resentment in areas of like – I think he thought maybe I thought I was better than him or better than them, him and my brothers. Um, I remember hearing comments like that, not from him, but from um, other people. And and sometimes they would make fun of me, make fun of my husband and I kind of make some jokes. But um, I think at the heart of it, he, um, he had respect for me. I mean, he would call me. Um, every once in a while when he would find himself at a low spot, he would reach out to me and he knew that I had, um, a strong faith in God. And he knew that was the reason why I was, why I was living my life the way I was living my life. And I know he believed in God and, um, he would just kind of reach out to me for like help or prayer or an encouraging word or, um, he just, yeah. 
I don't know. Okay. What I'm okay. <laughs> and would you say, and in, in, in let's just, uh, maybe I should ask you this. How long before he disappeared? When was the last time you talked to him before he disappeared? I think the last time I talked to him before he disappeared was about a week to two weeks. Um, I had been sick and I had like the flu and I wasn't feeling well. And he called and I could tell he was in a very low spot. I could tell he was reaching out for help. Mm. And um, he seemed a little um, frantic looking back on it. I I almost want to say like he was going through maybe some uh, mental anguish, like some thoughts coming against him and, um, you know, just something kind of beating him up on the inside and, and making him feel bad. I know he was going through some problems with his wife. I know they had been going back and forth. I know she was fed up with him and I know she would lay into him and really make him feel bad about his lifestyle Mm -hmm. and what he was doing. And the fact that he couldn't support his family, that he couldn't, um, uh, you know, get off this stuff and, and be who she wanted him to be. And, um, and I know it would get really bad and I know she would um, berate him and, and probably for, you know, having the right reasons. Yeah. And, uh, but I know it also, you know, was starting to wear on him. Right. You know, that can be, uh, if he had that addiction, as long as he did, I mean, that can get expensive after a while. I mean, how was he, right. How was yeah. uh, how was he financing this addiction with you know this why he's not working she's working as a manager at Burger King I mean you have any idea how right. he was doing that Um I would guess he was stealing things I believe cuz I've seen my other brothers do it mm-hmm. um I know something that they would do is they would go into stores and they would steal something and then they would try to sell it to their dealer or exchange it or they would try to sell it to somebody like even myself. They would try to sell me things. And if I knew it was hot, I, you know, because of my moral beliefs, they knew I wasn't, I would tell them, no, mm-hmm. I don't want to buy your stuff. Of course. So, um, but I know that's, you know, how he would supply some of his, you know. Okay. okay. That's one of the ways he supplied his addiction. Uh, how many run-ins would you say that he had uh, with the law during this time? And was the law after him at the time of his disappearance? Um, I have no idea how many run-ins he had. And my best guess would be no, they were not after him. Okay. He stayed at home. He, you know, all the partying went on at his house. He, um, it was never like too extreme or too wild that cops were called. Um, so, you know, I don't think he had, you know, unless he got busted for stealing a few times, then, you know, that would be the only thing, but I, nobody's ever shared with me that that happened to him. He never shared that with me. And, um, as far as I know, I don't think the law was after him, but they could have been. All right. So there was no warrants to your knowledge. There were no warrants out for his arrest at the time that he disappeared. Like, he wouldn't have, because right. that does come up once in a while, especially with people who run into, do have addictions and do maybe have a criminal record. There's always the uh, belief that if there are warrants out for the rest, uh, their arrest, maybe they took off or something. You don't believe 
though, that the police were after him at the time that he disappeared? No. Okay. Thank you. Um, you've mentioned your brother, Kenny, before, your oldest. You said uh, your oldest brother, you said you were very close to him as kids. Um, yes. And he was also in the area where you all were living. Um, but I think you said that, you know, he had his own issues, too. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about Kenny and David's uh, relationship, because we're going to talk about Tenny, uh, Kenny once we uh, start talking about what actually happened the day he disappeared, David disappeared. Um, as far as I know, I think they had a decent relationship. They obviously partied together a lot. I think they, um, they both had the same addiction as far as I know to, um, heroin. Um, I think, you know, as brothers and, and having, um, uh, doing those type of things, I think there were definitely probably times that where there were, uh, conf conflicts. Um, my brother Kenny could be, uh, extreme, very, um, you know, he had a reputation of being kind of crazy. He, uh, you know, he was known for beating his brothers up. I don't know if he ever beat oh. David up. Oh. I know he beat up some of my other brothers. And I know sometimes he would beat them up if he heard that they were doing that particular drug. Um, like he, it would make him so mad to find out that his younger brother was on that drug. Um, and he would try to beat them up so they would never do the drug again, but it was unsuccessful. And I know he probably used violence, um, other times if he got mad enough, um, he had a, um, a pretty violent temper. He wasn't a huge guy, but a word people would use to describe him was he was scrappy. Scrap. He was, yeah, he was extremely intelligent and, um, he was, uh, he was good looking. Both of my brothers were good looking and, um, he, he just had a lot of, um, when he was young, he just had a lot of friends, a lot of people around him, a lot of people that liked him. He was kind of the go-to guy, the one that people esteemed and held high and just had a really good reputation. Like, you know. Okay. And this was Kenny. That was Kenny. All right. And Kenny was also married. In fact, I got to talk to his wife at the time, uh, back uh, from 2004. In fact, they were uh, married. Uh, unfortunately, Kenny's not with us uh, anymore, but I got to talk to her. I thank you for making that happen. And the listeners should know I will be passing along the notes from that conversation after we're done with our interview. But um, so Kenny and his wife, her name was Jennifer. Uh, they were married at the time. So you were living in the area. Uh, David and his wife, Teresa, were living in the area. Kenny and his wife were all living in the general same area? Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. And one more thing before we get into that day, uh, when he disappeared, when David disappeared, did you ever talk to Teresa, David's wife, you know, about his addiction, being that she wasn't into it? Did you ever talk to her about it? Have a, you know, a you know, sister-in-law conversation about, you know, what do we need to do? To get you know David help that ever come up? No, we um, we weren't very close. Um, we never shared any type of like um, 
you know, where we shared things with each other. She never called me to talk. I never called her to talk. If we were around, we never really sat and had small talk with each other. Um, you know, looking back at it now, I realize that's kind of odd. But um, mm -hmm. at the time, I, I didn't think anything of it. My family was pretty dysfunctional. We were, mm -hmm. um, you know, we were odd. She was kind of odd. Um, you know, one thing is um, we're Native American, and I'm not trying to stereotype my own uh, race, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of quiet, and you kind of keep to yourself, and um, she's Native American, she's Alaskan Native, and, um, or Canadian, actually, she's Canadian, and, um, you know, she kind of had her own friends where she kind of just talked to them, and I kind of had my own things going on and we weren't, uh, we, we didn't really share anything. Okay. All right. I just thought I should ask. I'm sure that might've been something that listeners are wondering about. Okay. So we have all this going on. You have Kenny, uh, your brother, Kenny, who has his issues and he's married. David obviously has his issues. They're into partying, uh, you know, getting together. Uh, you know, it seems like a lot of this stuff would happen. Uh, at David's house, even though he's married and his wife, it doesn't seem was into these things. And we have to remember that all all of, um, these people have of course, had, of course, children at the time. So that brings us right. up to February 2nd, 2004. Um, what do you know? I realize some of the things you're going to say you found out afterwards, and that's fine. But what have you learned uh, about that day? Um, what I learned about that day is that that evening they had all gone over to this man's apartment. I originally thought it was a motel. Um, but then I heard, um, talking to my sister-in-law, she's like, no, that was, we called him, we called him WD, which stood for white Dennis. Cause I have a brother named Dennis. So my brother mm -hmm. was native Dennis and then WD, everybody had like these little side names and mm -hmm. WD was, um, was stand for white Dennis and it was his, um, apartment and he was moving out. So this was either the last night he was there or the last week close to when he is getting ready to move out. And, they were all over there, and um, I'm assuming they were drinking and partying, doing their thing. All right. When you said your sister-in-law, you don't mean David's wife. You mean Kenny's wife, Jennifer. This is something. Correct. Okay. Yes. So just from now on, if you could just use their names, that would be probably better to, to be understood. Okay. okay. All right. So you and, and once again, the listeners, uh, I've already said I've gotten to talk to Jennifer uh, about all this. So. There's this party going on. Uh, it wasn't at a motel. It was at this guy's apartment. And if you, uh, I don't want the listeners to get caught up in all of the names and everything, but just give them an idea of a few of the people who were there and, you know, their connection to David. Of course, your brother Kenny was there, their connections to them. Okay. So there was um, Dennis, or WD. Mm -hmm. There was Max. Max is Teresa's brother. Kenny, my older brother, was there. There was a girl named Marlene who was there. She was visiting from Spokane. She's um, from the same tribe we were, and she was an ex-fling with my brother, Kenny. Okay. Um, my younger brother, 
was there and his name is Charlie and he also has already passed away. And Charlie's one of his really good friends, but he was also kind of would run around with this group too. His name was Ted. He was there. And of course, David was there. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, one woman that I recently found out, I did not know she was there. I thought it was Marlene's sister all this time, but her name was, um, the woman that was there was Terry Lynn. And, um, I only have a vague remembrance of who she is, but I do remember her face. And, um, so she was there and she was, um, I don't know if you want to get into all of this, but this is stuff, new stuff that I have found out. And uh, that's fine. And we'll just get, we're just going to talk about, uh, who the people were at the time at the, there. Okay. Uh, just, okay. I, I don't, so that and that's plenty. That's plenty for now. A lot of that's okay. fine. Okay. okay. So they're all there. They're getting together because this guy is moving out of that apartment. Correct. That was the reason. Okay. Yes. And should I just take for granted? There probably was. Uh, not just legal substances, but illegal substances there as well. And just take that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. And I should ask, how many of these people, of course, you had another brother there, Charlie, who we haven't talked too much about. How many of the people there did you know personally, including your brothers? Um, I knew everyone except for Terry Lynn. I did meet her a couple times, but I never really had any conversations with her. I knew Marlene. I didn't know her well. I knew her from the past when she had a, a short fling with my brother when they were a lot younger. So they're, they're all there. They're having a good time. Uh, it's, a, I guess, a moving out party, I guess you would call it. There's uh, a bunch of guys and just a few women Correct. there. And they're all in their maybe late 20s, early 30s, something like that, roughly? Yes. Roughly. Okay. And what have you learned? They're all there. David's there. Kenny's there. Uh, uh, your your other brother is there. And what did what have these people said happened? And you know that led to David's disappearance. What do they say happened? Um. So there's not a whole lot that um I have to go on with that. All that I know is that. They said, or at least what I've heard, is that he said that he was um, going to leave or going to take off. He was taken off. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, it was assumed that he was saying he's taking off to go home. Um, and But that wasn't real clear. I think a lot of people just assumed he was going home. Um, everything I've heard through the years is they just said he got up and he said he was taking off. He was leaving. And, um, the assumption was he was going home that night, huh. but, um, that okay. never happened. All right. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. If he says he's leaving, and, you know, that would, I guess, make sense. But, um, the way you understand it though, how far would this walk have been from where this apartment was to where David was living at the time in minutes? Walking time in minutes, would you say? In minutes, I would say an hour to an hour and a half. A long I'm not way. Really sure. Yeah. A long way. And we have to remember this is the state of Washington in 
uh, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. It's not going to be very warm out at night. It's going to be a little no. chilly. Okay. And was David much of a walker? Would it be unusual for him to walk that far? Would you say the way you knew him that it would seem a little unusual? Um, he wasn't a walker. I would I I wouldn't say it's unusual for him to say, hey, if he decided in his mind that I'm walking home and he can walk home, you know, I mean, we were very independent kids growing up. You know, we did what we wanted when we wanted. And um, so it's not unusual for me to think like, you know, I mean, we grew up in Iowa in the Midwest when, you know, you had snow, you know, feats of snow sure. come in. and sure. So, um, and like I said, we were very independent growing up as kids. So to me, that's not odd. He would, he said, Hey, I'm walking home. That means he's walking home. And I mean, you can't really, that's his choice and his decision. So, right. um, he's a grown man. He was, uh, he was 33, 34 years old when he disappeared. So what's anybody going to do? Nobody's going to stop him. Right? right. If he was 12, that would be 12 years old. That might be something different. Was there anything, once again, it's been 15 years. Is there anything that you've heard that led up to him deciding to leave? Was there a fight, an argument, maybe uh, an argument over a girl that was there or a young woman that was there, anything like that? Or do you get the feeling that he just up and left? There was nothing that I've heard over the years that okay. there was an argument or anything happened about a girl or anything. Okay. Um, but is it true then that Kenny was there? Did he offer to give David a ride? Is that something that that popped up afterwards that you found out? Or did Kenny tell you that? Or You know what? I kind of vaguely remember somebody telling me that um, Kenny offered to do that, but mm. I don't know if he did or not. Okay. And is it true that David left his wallet behind? Um, that's something also that I heard, and I don't know if he did or didn't. Okay, I never, you've never seen it? Nobody's ever no. showed it to you? Um, nope. His his wife, Teresa, never, you know, showed it to yeah. you afterwards or, you know, when the police got involved or anything like that? No. All right, mm -hmm. so that's just a kind of rumor. It may be true, but to your knowledge, you've never, you don't know anything about that. You've just heard about it. Right. Okay. What kind of part of town is this uh, that he would, would would have been walking out into uh, that night? Decent neighborhood, shady neighborhood, um, the way you understand it. Uh, Spanaway is a little grungy neighborhood. It's it's not bad. I'm not worried about too many neighborhoods myself. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's, you know, in... In Tacoma, there's some known bad areas, um, and none of the bad areas to me are really that bad. I mean, where my brother lived, it, it wouldn't have been considered a really nice neighborhood. So, um, you know, some people, they would judge it and say, ooh, no way. And, um, you know, me, myself, I'm like, eh, it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> I guess what I'm asking you, if he starts walking home, and, uh, you know, would somebody have had the opportunity, would it have been a place where he could have gotten jumped or mugged or, you know, yeah. stuffed into yeah. a car? Is that the kind of neighborhood it was? Well, you definitely could have been jumped. 
because that has definitely happened in these areas. Um, I've never heard of anyone being stuffed into a car, but I have heard of people being jumped. Um, right. You know, the term mugging, I don't really hear that too often. Uh, but okay. Okay. people getting jumped, I have heard that. Okay. And what time did he leave this with party? Was it early in the evening? Was it? You know, when we say February 2nd, was it like late February 2nd or early February 3rd? From my understanding, it was like like one in the morning. But um, nobody can really be too – nobody's really too clear on that um, since I've kind of asked and tried to get more of it, more details. And nobody – yeah. Okay. And we have to remember, I think, that all these people at the party, it's not like all of their eyes were on David. You know, we don't know exactly, you know, how he left he par- left the party. I mean, if it's like me and I'm not much into crowds, you know, I kind of just before I leave, I go and see the host of the, the party and say, hey, I'm taking off. It's not like I go to every person and say, hey, I'm leaving now. So we have to remember right. that some people might not even realize that he left. Very possible. Right. Okay. So he leaves. Um, of course, he doesn't end up. um getting home it's a, once again it's a decent walk when does somebody realize uh, that david is missing and that he didn't get home after that party um i would say uh the next day somebody probably realized you know his wife i'm sure realized he wasn't home um maybe his brothers or people came by his place um, since, since it was like the go-to place and people said, I'm sure his wife said, no, he hasn't come home or I haven't seen him. So I'm sure that, you know, by the next day, people were probably realizing he wasn't there. Okay. Did he, uh, had he ever gone missing before? Uh, we hear a lot about that with people with, uh, you know, addictions. Sometimes they take off for days at a time. Nobody knows where they are. And that's what makes these kind of, disappearances when people are addicts doing drugs so hard to kind of investigate because they do disappear for days at a time and nobody knows was this something that David did or not not we um I have never heard of him disappearing before leaving being gone for days um he didn't have any reason to do that um he could do what he wanted to at his place his place was kind of the gathering place um so, no, he never. Okay. Never, never, never. All right. So this is the first time that you know of that he'd ever right. been out somewhere, you know, not, you know, called his wife or anything, just gone and nobody knows where he is. That's the first time to your knowledge. Right. Okay. Uh, how did you find out that he was missing? Um, I found out from Jennifer, my Kenny's wife, my sister-in-law. Okay. And how did she find out? And uh, I did talk to her about this, but um, so she calls you. Do you think that this was the day after? Do you think it was a week later? How do you remember it? Um, I remember it being a couple days later. She called me and said, hey, um, they can't find David or David's missing. And and I remember not really being too alarmed, but she was being alarmed. She was like, the longer I talked to her, she was like, no, you know, so she was kind of getting me um, 
more worked up, like, no, this is serious. You know, he really is missing. Like he should be home. And, and they were out and gave me the story and um, he hasn't come home. Right. And still in the back of my head, I'm kind of thinking like, uh, are you sure this is serious? But, you know, at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, let's, you know, just to be safe, let's go look for him. Okay. And she did tell me about how she and Kenny did uh, ride around for a couple of days trying to find uh, Dave. And once again, I will put a little more detail into that after this interview. So she calls you and did you talk to Teresa, his wife? When you found that out, did you call her and, you know, ask her, hey, what's going on? You didn't? Uh Uh-uh. Did did anybody call her and try to coordinate with maybe letting the police know or do a search or anything like that? My mom might have called her. I remember Jenny was very upset because she felt like Teresa wasn't acting in in a way like, you know, she should be like, hey, this is concerning. We need to file a missing persons report. And um, I think after maybe like a week, maybe a little less than a week, maybe like four or five days, mm-hmm. I think Jennifer was trying to get my mom to do it. And then my mom found out that she couldn't be the one, that it had to be his wife since she she was married. He was married. And, um, and from what I understood, I believe from my mom, she did eventually like a week later file mm-hmm. the missing person report. Uh, I'm not going to try to put words in your mouth. I just want you to be as you know, as honest as you can. Would you say that Teresa was resisting filing a police report? Do you think that she just thought, "Hey, he'll show up eventually. I don't want to go down there and fill all this paperwork and then him show up." I mean, what did you I think at the time? Go with I would go with the latter of what you said. I don't think she was resisting. I don't know. I never talked to her. Um, just knowing her personality and knowing kind of how, what the scene was, she, you know, she probably, she might've, cause my attitude would have been more similar to the second, like, Hey, he's, you know, he'll show up, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And yeah. Okay. I also have to ask you this. Once again, it's just your opinion. If you can say, because as you stated, they were married for 13 years at the time of his disappearance. It sounded like maybe she was getting to the end of her rope regarding him. She's not into drugs. She has a job all these years. He's an addict. He doesn't have a job. Could it have been, well, if he goes off and takes off, maybe good riddance? It could have been. Okay. All right. Okay. So this police report is finally filed. Do you know the police, you know, really, you know, did anything? For example, did they try to track down these people who were at this party? Um, I don't know any details on that. I never followed through. I never asked anybody. Okay. Um, you know, I kind of just thought it was being handled, I guess, you know, hearing that there was a re- police report filed. So I thought, you know, you know, that somebody's doing the right steps and doing the right things. Right. And we have to remember that what was going on in this party, some of it was illegal. And it may be that some of these people might not have been uh, willing to talk to the police anyway. We just don't know. 
Right. You know, you know, because they're afraid. Well, I start talking to the police. They start asking what we were doing at the party, and then they're going to find out drugs were there, and then, you know, they start worrying about you know them, them themselves. What did you, uh, Kenny and you had your other brother? What is his name again? Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. Charlie. What did they? These two, you know, and maybe if you talk to them right after David disappeared, did they offer up any opinions on what could have happened, being that they did see David that night? Um, I didn't talk to either one. Um, Charlie was, um, heavy into drugs. Um, and he was kind of out there. He was, his mind was kind of getting affected. In fact, I didn't even see him for, you know, long periods. I wouldn't see Charlie. I'm not sure what he did. I kind of think he had his own little circuit where he would go from, different houses to different houses. He was, he was two years younger than me and, um, he was a very handsome young man. And, uh, I don't think he had any problem of like, um, finding a place to crash or to stay. And he was, um, heavy into his street drugs. And I never talked to him about, um, that in fact, um, you know, for years, he was a prayer concern of mine because his mind seemed like it was um, pretty far gone. And I would wow. pray for him, wow. pray for his mind because he just was, sometimes he would just speak gibberish and weird stuff. So, Okay. And what about Kenny? Did he offer up, Ken- ever offer up an opinion? Well, hey, you know, I think David, this is what happened. Nope. He never offered up an opinion. And I don't know if I even had a conversation with him about it. I might have said something and he might have said something back. Again, our family was very dysfunctional. Kenny was kind of this, um, you know, you didn't really talk to him because you didn't know what you were going to get. You know, sometimes he would be very polite and cordial. And then other times, you know, you would have a madman on your hands and he could just tear you apart with his words. So, um, you know, I kind of like kept my distance and I, you know, I didn't engage in conversation with him if I didn't have to. Um, you know, sometimes he was very friendly and easygoing, but other times it was like he had, you know, something else going on with him. It sounds to me though, you had much more of a, a relationship, I guess you'd say it, with his wife, Jennifer, than him. Yes. Jenny and I have always kept a good relationship through the years. Okay. We've had our ups and downs, but, you know, we've always worked things out and we've maintained a good relationship. Okay. So this was 2004. Um, did, moving into some of the other elements of this disappearance, uh, did David have a cell phone at the time he disappeared any way to electronically uh, track him that night? No. Okay. We've talked about uh, Teresa. Seems like she was um, somewhat resistant to uh, filing a police report, but a missing persons report. Um, But she eventually did. However, uh, you found out. Why don't you tell the listeners what you found out somewhat recently regarding Yes, she went and filed one a, a week later, eventually, after it seems like maybe she was prodded into it at least a little bit. What have you found out recently about that report? Well, I found out recently um, 
from a woman that my sister-in-law got in touch with, uh, another investigator down in Texas that um, my sister-in-law um, reached out to, and then she called me, and she, the investigator let me know that that report was pulled after it was filed. So there was a missing persons report filed, but then um, according to this investigator, she said that Teresa pulled that report. And um, I can't remember exactly when she said it was pulled, but it was like almost, it was, it was quickly after it, you know, mm -hmm. wasn't like years after she pulled it. It was like, within that year, she, you know, I think even sooner, you know, like a month or two later, she pulled the missing persons report. We never knew that we all, I always thought, or at least I never knew that. I always thought that missing persons report was still out there. Okay. So you, maybe your entire family, I guess, you know, I guess was under the idea that this report exists. Maybe the police right. aren't actively looking for David, which happens a lot, not just in Washington, the state of Washington, but all over the United States. But at least there is paperwork somewhere in some file should something happen. But right. what you found out is possibly the beginning of March that she went in and, you know, just totally said, no, the missing persons report it doesn't it shouldn't exist anymore. We're going to. Yes. That's okay. what I was told. Wow. Was that news? You, you said your sister-in-law, but this is Jennifer. Um, was Jennifer surprised by this as well? I think she was. I mean, I was more shocked because she was telling me, and at first I didn't grasp and comprehend what she was saying. And then I had to, like, restate it. And I was like, wow, I I can't even believe that. Okay. So. Okay. Well, I'm sure right at this point, the uh, listeners are trying to figure out why uh, she would have done that. But I think that, um, you know, this next part we're going to talk about, and we just have to talk about it, um, you know, might point them in a direction. We've talked about your brother, Kenny. He was at the party. Um, yeah. He allegedly might have even offered to give uh, David a ride if David was leaving, but we don't know if that's uh, for sure or not. What did Kenny do not long after David disappeared? Um, not long after David disappeared, he got into a relationship with Teresa. David's wife? Yes. Can you explain? I know it's been 15 years now, but can you explain how you felt about that when you found How long did it take for you to find out about that, and what was your reaction? Um, my reaction was, um, I was, um, at first of all, I didn't know if it was true. And then I got confirmed reports that it was in fact true and going on. And I was extremely, um, angry. I was mm -hmm. very irritated and I went to my parents and I told my parents and, um, I know my parents confirmed the report that that was going on, but they were being, um, very passive. I, my parents are very passive and, um, like they're, you know, consistent mm -hmm. with their behavior. They were very passive about it. And I just, I just remember I was just very disgusted and, um, very upset and very angry that, um, something wasn't being said, at least by my parents to my brother and about this situation, I was very hurt. 
on what was going on between um, what could the kids be feeling. Um, this has to be extremely confusing, not mm-hmm. to mention that all of us had, um, Jenny, Teresa, myself, we all had kids that were close in age, so they were cousins. And Jenny and Teresa's kids were even closer than my kids were with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they had often spent many nights together while their parents were partying up and partying. You know, they were very close cousins. And I just thought this is as dysfunctional and as ugly as a situation can get. And I, I just thought it was so hurtful, extremely hurtful. Did you yeah. ever, did you ever personally talk to Kenny or Teresa about their new relationship? No. Okay. Mm-mm. All right. Did you, I have to ask this just because it's my job. Did you find that suspicious that, that Kenny would move in with her right after Danny, after David disappeared? Um, I don't know if I found it suspicious. I, I think I, you know, I don't know why my brain didn't go that way. I just think I found it disgusting and horrible and wrong. Um, you know, I, I don't know why my brain didn't say, wait, this is odd. This is weird. What's going on? I mean, I already thought like, you gotta be kidding me. This is gross. That's disgusting. That's so wrong. But, um, My brain never went to, this is suspicious, you know. Okay. Would you say that uh, they tried to keep their relationship on the down low, or were they pretty open about it? I think they were pretty open about it at um, Teresa's house. I think everybody that was around pretty much knew, yes, there was an intimate relationship going on between the two of them. Okay. Do you think that this is a relationship that started just after David disappeared or is there any proof I should ask that they might've had something going on before David disappeared? There is no proof that I know of that this was going on before he disappeared I know when years ago, when I was a teenager and when Teresa first came over to my house and she met my brother, she was interested in Kenny first. And I remember I said, he's married, he has a wife. And then she turned her attention to my um, other brother. And yeah. Okay. All right, so we have to remember not only is Kenny moving in with Teresa, but he's leaving Jennifer. And, of course, Jennifer uh, and I have talked about that. And once again, I will detail those those details, I guess, be more complete on those details uh, after this interview. So um, Kenny moves in with Teresa. And how long does that, you know, relationship last? Um, man, uh, my best guess, uh, my best, you know, recollection, I would say, you know, a few years, he, um, as far as the relationship part as like a intimate relationship, I would say a few years. Now, I don't know. I would say two to three years. Um, I know he continued to live with her and he stayed with her off and on, like, I know sometimes he would move back to my parents' house, but it seems more often than not he was actually living in 
both residences, her house and my parents' house. Um, and when he passed away, he was staying at her house. Yeah. And he passed away in 2017. So, um, just a couple this, years ago. Yeah. So this went on, you know, from the time my brother went missing, that's 13 years that, that relationship continued at some capacity, whether it was still intimate or not, I'm not sure. Okay. Being that it, it doesn't seem that you had a relationship with Kenny or talked to Teresa, your parents, I mean, did they ever say something to Kenny? Hey, what are you doing, Kenny? You know, you're moving in with your missing brother's wife. Yeah, um, I remember I confronted my parents on it and I was really upset that they had not confronted my brother. Um, I know that I had stopped speaking to my mom for a few years, my, both my parents actually, because I was so upset that this was being allowed to go on and nothing was being said. Um, I do know that Kenny was very, um, could be very, uh, uh, intimidating, scary. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my parents are, you know, roughly about 33 years older than I am. So, um, my mom just turned 80 this year. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, they were getting up in age, probably I'm guessing late sixties, early seventies, you know, when this was going on and, um, they, uh, you know, probably were intimidated. And, um, I know that was probably part of it. Like I said, they were extremely passive. They allowed things to go on that, you know, shouldn't have gone on from early ages. And, um, you know, um, I do remember recently my mom mentioning that she did say something to Teresa, but it was more or less, um, you know, not asking her like, what are you doing? But, um, you know, is it true that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, and Teresa didn't deny it. So I guess what's also going through my mind is that, and, and once again, I know the, the the way the listeners are going to think about this, because I know how I think about this, is that he moves in so quickly after David disappears, what happens if David would have popped back up? Right. Okay. All right. Now, there's something else that went on later this year, um, and, and I think you told me that this was a common thing for your brothers to do, but um, Kenny did get in trouble later that year for something, and, and tell the listeners what he did. He used, um, when he got, I don't know if he got pulled over or what happened, but when he got taken by the police, he used David's name and David's identity, and he said he was David Kesey. Hmm. And you told me that this was something that they often did. Could they get away with this? I'm not I'm not sure if they got away with it or not, but did they do this because they all kind of looked the same, or was this some sort of running joke, or, or how would how would you explain that, them doing this? It was, I, I don't think, it wasn't a joke. It was mm -hmm. them just thinking of themselves, trying to get away, like, um, you know, my guess when this happened is Kenny has warrants. Um, he knows if he uses David's name, he's not going to um, possibly get, you know, tried or pulled in for his stuff and maybe his are a lot worse um you know and i'm guessing kenny's would be 
uh, and he thought he would get out of it by using David's name. Um, and they all did that. I know they all would try to use other, you know, I had one brother that he didn't really do anything. So I'm sure they used his name quite often. And even my younger brothers, they kind of picked up on um, hearing that the older, you know, probably Kenny did this. And so they, they did it with each other too, try to use each other's name. If um, just, just thinking of themselves, trying to get out of it and not thinking of what this would do to your brother. Okay. So, so if David and is this. Please, please continue, please. Oh, I, I was going to say, I also think technology, even though, you know, this isn't too long ago, I don't think technology was the same as it is now where you run a person's name. I'm sure it pops up the picture. Um, I know they used to be able to get away with this. So mm-hmm. obviously technology wasn't, you know, where it is today. Okay. Okay. So we have David who is missing. We have Kenny who moves in with Teresa. We have Charlie who um, you don't have any relationship with. Sounds like a little bit of a scary guy. What about your other brothers? And if you had any communication with them back in 2004, did they ever offer up any opinions on what happened to David? And what did they say about Kenny moving in with Teresa? Um. Nobody really said anything, you know, um, I can't really explain it, but you know, they're, they, they're addicts. So they're more concerned about finding their drug than they are about, um, first of all, even having a relationship with me, much less talking to me. We didn't have a lot of talking or communication in our family. Um, from the top down, from my parents to us or with Mm. each other. Now, they, my brothers, they kind of had a close-knit relationship, but it was dysfunctional, obviously, with um, the amount of drugs and alcohol they did, but that was kind of their bonding. And um, so nothing was really said to anyone. And the only person I really ever talked to about it was Kenny's uh, wife. Wife Jennifer. Okay. So what you're saying is your two other brothers and their names are? Um, Dennis and Peter. All right, Dennis and Peter. So they had some of the same things going on that David, Kenny, and and Charlie did. Same things. Correct. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that, Aletta. Tough. Um, Thank you. That's tough. Okay. Let's talk about the people at the party. Uh, You said you knew some of them. I'm not saying that um, you knew them all well or anything like that. But would you say over the last 15 years, you know, this isn't something where it's just like Kenny and David were in a room and then Kenny said that David left. And we have a bunch of people who were there. Would you say that all of their stories have been consistent? in the last 15 years as to what went on that night? Has anybody ever kind of wavered from the story that Um, David left or what? Yeah, I never heard anyone waver. Um, You know, and again, there wasn't a lot of discussion. There weren't a lot of stories, um, but it was pretty consistent with a little bit that there was, um, especially shortly after the incident. And, you know, you're right. I didn't, I wasn't 
I didn't have any like real close relationships. These were all people that I knew because they hung out with my brothers and they were in that circle. So if I went over there, I knew who these people were. I knew, oh, Ted, he's a good friend of Charlie's and there's WD and WD has hung out with these guys forever. And, you know, you got to understand this is a, a, a group of, um, you know, lack of a better word, you know, addicts. Mm-hmm. And they they just all do their crap together. So it's you know yeah. um, uh, WD he ended up um, overdosing. Um, Kenny, my brother, he ended up overdosing. Charlie ended up passing away. Um, you know he's younger than I am, and I'm 45, so he passed away. Um, I think he was 43, or maybe 42. Mm-hmm. from um, complications to diabetes caused by drug abuse. Um, he was, you know, um, something with his liver where he had to do that thing every week, go in. Dialysis. Dialysis. He was on dialysis. And, um, you know, Max, he still walks the streets. You see, I see him often. And he's a streetwalker. And he, you know, he's, ho- he's basically homeless, but he still stays at Teresa's. And Marlene passed away and Ted is still alive, but, um, I haven't talked to him anytime soon. And Terry Lynn, I've never really talked to. So, okay. And, uh, as we are recording this, uh, it is September 24th, 2019. And, uh, the listeners should know that, uh, Alain and I have talked about maybe her putting me in touch with a few of these people. And hopefully I'll be able to talk to them before this episode comes out. Of course, by the time that the listeners hear this, they will they will know if I've talked to the, uh, these other people or not. But, um, you know, at the time of this recording, Aletta says that, you know, she will try to put me in touch with some of these people. And like I said, I've already talked to Kenny's wife, uh, Jennifer. Um, any reason that you think that, that Kenny left Jennifer? Of course, you know Jennifer very well. Any reason that there would have been any advantage in Kenny's mind to go from Jennifer and move in with Teresa. No, I don't see any reason for advantage. Um, I know that um, Kenny and Jenny's relationship was always um, a bit rocky, always a bit volatile. Um, I truly believed um, that they loved each other. They were in love with each other. Obviously they married each other. And, um, you know, but they both kind of went down that path. Jennifer pulled herself out of that path and has remained out of that path. And Kenny stayed into it, unfortunately, even up until his death. Um, You know, uh, to me, the only reason that Kenny uh, left Jenny is because he was thick into his drugs and alcohol and those type of things, you know, they involve uh, dark spirits and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're doing stuff like that, you're in an atmosphere that's ugly and things like lust can definitely, you know, come in and persuade you to do things that you don't care. I mean, you know, you don't care what you're doing to your body. You don't care what you're doing to your wife and your kids. You don't care what you're doing to your brother's wife. Right. So, um, and obviously she was in a place too where, 
um, you know, she allowed this partying to go on at her place for years. And it's not because, you know, oh, she worked and she loved David and she, you know, she was okay with the atmosphere. She wasn't a drinker. She didn't do drugs, but she had a lot of friends that would come over that drank and did drugs. But I think she liked the, um, you know, the fact that there were people around and, and a lot of these people were natives, you know, just like her. So, you know, I think she just found, um, even though I don't think the friendships were real healthy or strong friendships, I think, you know, she found friendships in that group. And, um, there were a lot of people through the years that came in and out. And, um, so I don't think there was any advantage except that it was lust and okay. they just, because I, I guess the way I'm thinking about it, thinking of it is that she wasn't a drinker. She wasn't into these things, but Kenny was so quick to move in with her. Usually the reason that happens is because the woman's into these same things, but she wasn't. But what you're saying right. is that it may be that Kenny went with her because she allowed these things to go on, whereas maybe Jennifer didn't. Maybe it was something yeah, simple Jennifer, that. Jennifer did not. She did okay. not. Okay. Yeah. All right. So going back to 2004, 2005, uh, et cetera, you know, those years back then, what were you thinking? What were you, you when you would talk, doesn't sound like you had much of a relationship with your brothers, but when you would talk to your parents about David's disappearance, uh, did you, all of you finally just, you know, come to a conclusion, not, we don't know what happened, but, you know, kind of a theory as to right. what could have happened back then. Right. Um, you know, my thoughts have been all across the board at the time. Um, I started getting some really, um, kind of like heavy thoughts where I kind of fell into depression and I kind of thought, you know, what if he fell into a ditch? What if he's on the side of the road? You know, I just, I just was worried about him. And I knew he was in a, I knew he was in a bad place, but I still had compassion and, and I loved him and I knew he needed help. And I just had these, you know, these thoughts and, um, it was really through my faith that got me through that time of really thinking the darkest and the worst that he is dead and he's in a ditch somewhere and nobody's looking for him. Nobody's finding him. Um, I've come to, I've had a peace that I'm, I'm okay if he's passed away. Um, I wish I had, uh, some type of finality like I knew um, because I still, because I don't know, I still keep hope that he could be alive. There's part of me that says he could be alive. I know he was going through such a tough part with his wife that I could picture him just saying, I'm out of here and him opening the door and him walking out and him just keep walking and just keep walking and saying, I'm not going back to my wife. Um, I'm not going back to that. I know um, because of the phone calls that he called me prior to that and him trying to reach out. 
I, I know that he wanted out of that lifestyle, out of that junk, but he just didn't know how to get out of it. And I didn't know how to help him out of that. You know, I didn't, you know, I know mm-hmm. I've mentioned like some of the places where he could go and get some help, but um, nothing really stuck, you know, and, and instead I, I would just give him hope to just, you know, just keep, you know, crying out to God and that God will help you. I don't know how, but he will. And, um, so part of me just knowing his personality, I, I just kind of felt like, you know, there is a part of him where if he just decided, screw this, I'm just going to take off. There is that side that I would say, yeah, he could have done that. Um, it's hard for me to think that he's never been found, um, that he's never come up, that he's never resurfaced. Um, you know, I had a couple of dreams that were very comforting to me. And so I just, you know, kind of kept hold of those dreams, but those dreams were kind of ambiguous. They never told me if he had passed away or if, you know, if he was still here. So, um, so anyways, I, you know, I fell into a little bit of depression during that time, but then I just, I just kept going. I was going through the thing with my brother and my, um, and Teresa, Kenny and Teresa being disgusted. Mm. I was disgusted with my mom and my dad because, um, they had allowed so much of this dysfunction to perpetuate for so long in our lives and, um, never confronting, never, um, you know, calling people out and saying, this is wrong. This isn't right. Um, so, you know, I was Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, on my own at a loss. And, um, through the years, I always kept in touch with Jennifer. I always had admiration for her as a mom because she gave up everything to, to be that mom for her kids. And, um, we've kept a relationship through the years. Um, I've always had kind of a, you know, I don't talk about Teresa. I don't talk to Teresa. I don't, you know, I've always made my thoughts known. You don't see your, you don't see your, if they're nieces or nephews, they don't get to see them. Um, we see them every once in a while. My mom came into town this last year and I reached out to my niece through Facebook and I said, um, your grandma's here. We'd love to stop by. Can we stop by? She said, yes. She, the niece keeps us at arm's length because she loves her mom and her mom, you know, didn't do anything wrong. And you know, mm-hmm. she knows that I kind of side with Jennifer and that I still keep relationships with all of Jennifer's kids. So it's kind of a um, strained relationship with Teresa and her kids. My mom has kept a better relationship of, um, you know, they, the grandkids still love my mom. My mom still loves the grandkids and they're adults now and they have kids of their own. So mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, but... Anyways. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's just um, very complex. You don't you don't really expect that maybe something when you're a teenager, 15 or 16, and then things get, you know, very complicated. And, you know, right. you, you know, like you brought up lust, you brought up the drugs and things. It, it just complicates things so uh, much. You know, there's, right. it doesn't seem like there's ever a good way to try to rationalize any of it and make sense of it. And, you know, and it's very difficult to maybe put a happy face on it. It's very difficult. Very difficult. Right. Okay. Um, do you have your, is someone in your family, do they have their DNA 
on file in case David is found or any remains that could be David are found or is that? Um, I was through this last investigator. She said that I was going to receive a kit in the mail and to take the swab and send it back. I've never received the kit. So, um, yeah. So. Yes, you should probably, you know, follow up on the DNA. You know, it's very something that's, you know, very, very important, especially in cases like this. You know, so when were they supposed to send it to you? Um, I talked to her, I think, in May, and she said she was going to have that kit sent. So, um, okay. yeah. Okay. She did follow up and ask if I received the kit, and I did let her know that I have not. So she said she was going to check on that, and then she would get back to me. Okay. All right. All right. That's uh, good to hear. But if it goes too much longer, you know, um, it's something that's you can't let that you know slip by. And uh, but I'm glad that you've been in contact with somebody that um, could do that for you. I think. Uh, I don't know, fortunately or unfor- unfortunately, you know, a lot of people I think will come away from this interview being very suspicious of your brother, Kenny. It just doesn't look good. It's, it, if nothing else is very distasteful, you know, it's for, you know, and we, and I think that we've talked enough about that, but uh, frankly, over the last 15 years, anybody who knew Kenny maybe doesn't even ha- had to have been at the party that night, but did anybody over the last 15 years ever come to you, say anything to you? to your parents and said, you know what? I think that, you know, Kenny could have been responsible for this. Um, you know, comments have been said, um, you know, and I'm only thinking of one recently that was said, it was actually said by my youngest brother, Peter. And, um, I think suspicions definitely have grown through the years and, and I don't know how serious Peter was, but Peter was just like, you know what? They should dig around the ground outside um, Teresa's old house. And he was alluding to the fact that Kenny could have buried David's body out there. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, what I find suspicious is that through the years, nothing was said. It seems like in this group of people with as high and as drunk as they get and as much conversation and talk that they have and that if he did say something do something it would have came out he would have made a mistake he would have said something to somebody or Teresa and Mm. something would have been said and so to me I feel like you know the fact that nobody ever said hey you know Kenny told me once that this happened or I overheard this um to me that, you know, uh, to me, that mm-hmm. makes me feel like, um, you know, and then I, you know, and then of course I have my own thoughts on, you know, my brother could just have left and maybe my, um, maybe, uh, my older brother, Kenny knew that. And, um, and Ed, I don't know if you want to go into this now, but actually, mm-hmm. so I told you that this Carrie Lynn was okay. of interest and she, she was of interest to me because of what I remember about her. And um, I remember that she was very pretty. She was a very pretty native girl. Mm-hmm. And she was Ted's girlfriend originally. And I knew that they had broke up. But every time that I saw her, what struck me about her was her demeanor 
and her beauty. She was quiet. She was polite. She was kind. And I always thought, what is this girl hanging out with these guys for? Mm -hmm. Um, and she was just, she just had a, um, really sweet, cute, pretty appearance. And, um, the fact that she was there that night. And then recently when I, okay, so I told you I ran into the woman that I thought was there. She goes, I was not there. Okay. And she goes, Terry Lynn was there. And I, and, um, at the time I was like, Terry Lynn, who is that? And I thought, I vaguely thought, is that that one girl that I've met before? So then I asked Jennifer and Jennifer goes, oh yeah, I knew Terry Lynn was there, but I thought Teresa was there too. I said, Teresa said she wasn't there. And Jennifer goes, oh, I guess I was wrong. But she goes, yeah, I remember someone saying Terry Lynn was there. Well, and I said, um, I said something about David and Terry Lynn. She goes, yeah, they did have something going on. And I said, how do you know that? She goes, I just knew. She goes, I, she goes, I know they left together one time. And um, so that, since finding out that, that's just been something in the back of my head that has just sparked like, you know, they could have planned and plotted something that um, they were leaving together. They were hitching up and my brother was going to leave Teresa and mm-hmm. um, yeah. he was going to be with Terry Lynn and Kenny could have known and um, Kenny could have known, you know, David's blew the coop. He's gone. But again, I thought if, if Kenny knew anything, it seems like he also would have said something. He would have said, Hey, David's gone. He left with that mm-hmm. girl. I know he did. You know, mm. but the fact that she just kind of disappeared too, you know, nobody, you know, I don't know her last name. Um, I'm trying to find out. I messaged someone trying okay. to find that, find out her last name, trying to get any contact information. I went on different people's um, Facebook profiles, looking at their friend list, trying to find a Terry Lynn. Um, but. So your um, impression is, is that. She was at this party and then she kind of, quote unquote, disappeared like David did. Uh, She didn't disappear like David did. Like, I I mean, I didn't know her, you know, I didn't know where she stayed. I didn't know where she lived. She, you know, at the time, um, I know she was kind of dating Ted. um, Mm. But the fact that I, you know, I didn't know she was even there. So the fact that I just found this out, it's just very interesting to me because I, and then when I mentioned to Teresa that, um, you know, I was like, Terry Lynn was there. She was the whatever. And she goes, I go, and I mentioned something about David, um, maybe having an interest in her. And she said, oh yeah, oh yeah, he did. And she goes, they had something. And this is the first time ever hearing of this, okay. which is recently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I, and I, you know, I don't know if you're going to put this on your interview or not, but. Okay. So uh, where do you know where Terry, but you don't know where Terry Lynn is now? I don't. And people refer to her as Terry Lynn from Texas. So they'll say Terry Lynn from Texas or Texas Terry Lynn. Um, Hmm. yeah. So it would be interesting to track her down for sure. It would be, yeah. All right. Okay. So you don't know where she is or anything like that at all? 
nope, I never saw her again after this incident. Like I said, I didn't even know she was there. So it was, it was just curious, you know, and then when I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? She kind of just, she was gone, you know? Yeah. She was around for a little bit mm-hmm. and, you know, and then I never saw her again. Okay. So. Okay. That's interesting. Well, maybe if we can uh, talk to some of these people that you've mentioned, maybe you, you know, you can put me in touch with them. Maybe I'll be able to figure this out or maybe we, me and one of my assistants uh, can try to hunt her down somehow. Right. You know, that's what, that's what, kind of what we do, but um, might be a little tough with just a first name, but you never know. Well, um, yeah, Terry Lynn, that she's, I only have her first name, but boyfriend at the time was Ted and he was there that night and Mm -hmm. I have tried to reach out to Ted, but I haven't got a response. I don't have a phone number that's um, working for him. Mm -hmm. So I tried through Facebook and I haven't got any reply through messenger. And, um, but he would probably know her last name. I tried through um, Teresa, Marlene's sister, um, trying to see if she could get me a last name or if she had a contact info. For this girl. Um, so Ted doesn't have a number. Um, I can give you his last name and you can search him on Facebook. Why don't you just um, give it to me after, after we're done here? I don't want to report it on a recording right in this interview. Okay. okay. We're not, I don't want to okay. do that. Um, but yes, you can send it to me or just, we'll just talk about this after this interview is done and uh, we'll right. do what we can. You just give me the, the full names of these people and uh, myself or one of my assistants um, you know, we'll try to track these people down and see what they have to say. Even if, you know, okay. we can't get them through Facebook. Once again, uh, we have other ways of, um, you know, reaching these people, databases, et cetera. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, last 15 years, uh, been very difficult. Obviously, you know, frankly, you've had a lot of death in your family. You've lost Kenny. You've lost Charlie. Uh, of course, David is missing. Um, doesn't sound very fun, just to put it simply, uh, Aletta, since David disappeared. Mm-hmm. Been very right. difficult. Been very difficult. Do you have a uh, Facebook page or anything, you know, set up for David at this point or what? No, I've never thought of doing that. I'm not a Facebooker, so I've never okay. thought of making okay. one for him. Yeah, okay. I have a Facebook account, but I don't get on. I don't post anything. I don't surf the post. Okay. You know, I'm just not a social media person. Okay. Well, I know what I can do for you is that I think what would raise the profile of David's disappearance is getting him on the Charlie Project. I know he's on NamUs, which is important, but I think it's also important that he's on uh, the Charlie Project site, which is also a huge missing persons site, like 10,000 profiles on there. It's run by my friend, Megan Good. So I, I want to try to make that happen for you. Um, you know, it'll, mm-hmm. she'll put all the uh, information. There's pictures, any pictures of him. And of course, the day disappeared, the circumstances of his disappearance, etc. So I will try to make uh, that happen. I think that will raise the profile. So if anybody does get on Google or whatever, that they can, you know, find David that way as well. Um, any final words before we complete this interview, Aletta? Um, 
No. Um, you know, I, you know, one thing that did come up recently is, um, we, um, I had a few memories of like his daughter said she saw David after his disappearance. Hmm. She said, yeah, but for some reason, nobody really believed her. And I don't know why we didn't believe her. You know, my mom said maybe she's just wishful thinking, but she said she saw David while she was on her school bus. Um, Mm -hmm. she saw her dad walking on a sidewalk. Um, so, you know, but again, Mm -hmm. you know, we never followed up on any, any of these things. And how long would this have been after he disappeared? Um, I remembered it was recent. It was recent after he disappeared, like weeks, you know, Mm. a couple weeks later. So, um, Probably should have been something that maybe should have been turned into the police, but I, I know my personal opinion. This doesn't have anything to do with David's case. It's just an overall idea I have that you start even even 48 hours after a person disappears, um, you know, sightings of that person are usually false. Usually, not all the time, but 90-some percent of the time, I'm inclined to dismiss them. Not saying that that didn't happen, that she didn't see David, her father, but um, you know, the way the human mind works is that it's very difficult, even for people that we know to just randomly see them on the street somewhere. I mean, the odds of that happening, of course, very, very low, you know? And and, um, of course, if it was a stranger that allegedly seen David, then the, the probability of being true would even be lower. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just a, it's just the fact of disappearances. But okay. Well, I want to continue to uh, work with you, Aletta, and um, you know maybe we can track down some of these people. Then myself or one of my assistants can talk to them. Maybe we can find this uh, Terry Lynn from texas if that's where she's from or maybe it was somewhere else uh maybe that was just a nickname for her uh, but if she is from texas we'll certainly look there and you know maybe we can get some of these things going uh at least bring some more you know additional information to you after 15 years hope we can do that that would be great okay aletta i appreciate you being on this episode of unfound thank you ed Thank you for your time and thank you for your interest. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Aletta Mecklenburg, sister of David Kesey. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. As I stated during the interview, I had a chance to speak with Kenny's wife at the time, Jennifer. Aletta wanted me to do that and I was more than happy to do so. Here are my notes from my conversation with Jennifer in no particular order. Jennifer said that David was never not at home. I guess another way to read that would be David was always at home. Teresa would be at work. David would be home with the kids. Jennifer originally thought David was on a bender and that he would come home after a few days. The parties were always at Dave's and Teresa's. So for this party, this particular time to be at this other location was unusual. The location was 136th and Pacific. Some family friends were there besides David's brothers. 
Jennifer has no idea how David got to the party. Of course, you'll remember Aletta has no idea how David got to the party. It may very well be that Kenny picked him up. Somebody else picked him up. He got a ride there from somebody who didn't go to the party. We just don't know. Teresa's wife's brother was there, and I'm still uh, looking to talk to him. He's David's brother-in-law. Everybody who went to that party told the same story, that David took off before the party was over. And it was very unusual because David was the type of guy who didn't leave until the party was over. Jennifer and Kenny drove around looking for David in the days after his disappearance. Jennifer says Kenny looked concerned. Within two weeks, Kenny was living with Teresa, and he was very honest with Jennifer about it, so he didn't try to sneak around behind her back. He just came right out and said, I'm going to live with Teresa now. But Jennifer didn't think that meant that Kenny murdered David. Jennifer suspects, though, that Kenny and Teresa had something going on before David disappeared. No proof of that, but she suspects it. Kenny didn't want Jennifer talking to Dave's wife, Teresa. I don't know if that's unusual or not. That seems uh, pretty logical given the situation. And uh, my belief is that Jennifer uh, followed that recommendation and never did have any deep conversations with Teresa. Nobody at the time ever came right out and said they thought Kenny murdered David. However, Jennifer can't rule out the possibility that Kenny would harm David. Jennifer and Kenny did talk about Dave after the disappearance. Kenny never let on anything if he did something. And I did ask her what would have happened had David come back. Once Kenny moved in with Teresa, Jennifer doesn't have a good answer for it. I'm not saying she should. I don't have a good answer for it. Aletta doesn't have a good answer for it. We just don't know. And that's the end of my notes regarding my conversation with Jennifer, who was married to Kenny at the time of David's disappearance. It's very easy to view this case much like the Mandy Stokes disappearance, a case unfound covered in 2018. That was a case where one line of thinking is that Mandy's brother killed her due to an argument they had. Suspicions of that, theories of that, no proof regarding that, just for the record. And in David's case, it's kind of the same situation. That Kenny ended up with David's wife doesn't look good. That David's wife was hesitant to file a report doesn't look good. That she secretly canceled the report doesn't look good. That Kenny pretended to be David later in 2004 doesn't look good. Yet even at the time, in 2004, Jennifer, Kenny's wife, who almost more than anyone else, would have a reason to point the finger at Kenny as the culprit in David's disappearance. Not even she is gung-ho about the theory of Kenny killing David. Given that, I guess the question must be asked, if not even the jilted wife cannot entirely point the finger at Kenny, why should the rest of us? How can the rest of us? And is it fair if we do point the finger at Kenny? Those are all great questions because there is nothing worse than suspecting a fellow family member and it not being true. And I don't want to be accused of that. So I have to rely on what I think I know about disappearances. Yes, men and women do just walk off. 
Yes, addictions make people more likely to do this. Also, even with David's wife, Teresa, maybe she canceled the report, not because she was guilty in his disappearance, but because Teresa simply didn't want David to be found, because her life was better off without him. Because if David was found, the police might bring him back to Teresa, and given her new relationship with Kenny, that would be the last thing she wanted. What I'm saying is some of these points can be rationalized away. They may not be as questionable as we think. Yet myself, having two brothers, I cannot imagine pretending to be one of my brothers if he were missing. Like what Kenny did by giving David's name instead of his own later in 2004 when Kenny had a run-in with the cops. Yes, I know, I know. Kenny was an addict, and who knows what state of mind he was in. But Kenny had several other brothers. Why use the name of the one who is missing? It's in extremely bad taste and causes me to wonder if Kenny was ever really David's keeper. Because if he wasn't, then anything is possible in this case. I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.